0: to start preaching through this book, Sunday Nights. This book has an attraction to some people. I'm not sure why. I think it's because they don't understand it. Because if you really understand it, it's not real attractive in a lot of ways, to be honest with you. But if you have friends that are attracted to it and they want to come Sunday Nights, invite them to come along. Anyway. Revelation chapter 1, I'm going to read just the first three verses to kind of give an introduction to it tonight. It says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bare record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, and he that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Time is at hand. So the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, would you thank you again for the opportunity we have to open your precious word tonight, and I pray as we look into the word of God, help us to see you in all your glory. And I pray that as we study this book, as we preach through it, I pray that it would speak to our hearts and challenge us and encourage us and give us a greater understanding of who our Lord Jesus Christ really is. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the purpose of the book of Revelation is stated in the first phrase. It is the revelation... Of Jesus Christ. That word revelation is really apocalypsis in the Greek, and it's part of two words: apo, which means to um, away with, and then calyptus, which means a veil or a covering, has the idea of a veil or to cover, so it's away with the cover or away with the veil, or the veil is removed, it's kind of the idea and of course we in English it's, it's revealing this is the revelation of Jesus Christ you know the world really hasn't seen yet who Jesus Christ is the world doesn't understand a lot of things <clears throat> I remember when Dr. Forney was here Some years ago, of course it was when Obama was in, we were talking something about Obama, and he said, well, the world really hasn't seen the real Obama yet. A lot of people live behind veils. They live behind veils. Socialists live behind veils until they get into power. Hitler hid behind a veil. They really didn't know Hitler until it was too late. Uh, The world didn't really know Stalin until it was too late, you know, and Lenin and so forth. The world really doesn't know Jesus Christ. But the book book of Revelation is going to reveal him to us for who he really is. You probably know other book in the Bible generates as much fascination as this book. Um, Many have attempted to exposit it, of course. Uh, One man said this, quote, even a casual reader of the book of Revelation is impressed with the tremendous scope of its prophecies. Here is an obviously important book and intended by God to be a final word to man. The great truths treated are the end points for lines of Revelation beginning in some cases in the book of Genesis and continuing throughout Scripture. Most important is the revelation concerning Jesus Christ introduced as a major theme of the book in the first verse. If for no other reason, the book is important as the final chapter in scriptural self-disclosure of God through Jesus Christ. In earlier books of the Bible, Christ is introduced in the Messianic prophecies and the activities of the angel of Jehovah in the Old Testament. The revelation of uh, Jesus Christ is advanced in the Gospels and the Acts, which unfold the birth, life, ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension of the Son of God. The epistles add to the theological interpretation of the person and work of Christ. To all of this dramatic and tremendously significant revelation, the last book of the Bible provides the capstone. It is indeed the revelation of Jesus Christ, not only as the Lamb that was slain, a familiar portrayal in the book, but as the King of kings and Lord of lords, who is certain to return to earth in power and glory to judge the wicked and reward the righteous. The book of Revelation is the counterpart of the gospels. Christ in his glory is contrast to Christ in his hum- humiliation and death. So, we're going to see Christ in this book, we're going to see him as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. As Lord of Lords. And of course, this is this is much of this book is future there is an outline in this book that for the book, if you drop down to verse 19, and you know this is this is the break, the breakdown of the book. Verse 19 says, "Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter." So there's three things, uh, the three parts to this book: the things which thou hast seen, which is chapter one; the things which are. Is chapters 2 and 3, which are the seven letters to the seven churches, which were seven literal churches. Now, there can be churches today just like those churches. There are churches today like Laodicea. There are churches today like Ephesus. There are churches today like Philadelphia and Smyrna and so on and so forth. You know, some take the interpretation that, that speaks of church history. The only problem with that interpretation is you have to put it, insert the Catholic church in that. The Catholic Church is not a church of Jesus Christ. It's a whore. It's a harlot church. It's a false church. It's a fake church. That's what it is. And we'll see that in this book very clearly spelled out for us. Uh, it is the combination of the state and the church to make a state religion. Uh, and so that's the chapters 2 and 3, the things which are. And then the rest of chapter 4 to chapter 22, the things which shall be hereafter. And those things are still hereafter. We're we're living living, in chapters 2 and 3. We're in the age of the churches. So so that's a breakdown of the book. But again, the book is meant to be understood. You know, there's a lot of things people say, why do I read Revelation? Because I can't understand it. Well, it isn't the easiest book to understand. But we need to interpret it like we do every other book. You know, a lot of people come to this this book and they say, well, there's so much symbolism. There is symbolism in it. There's symbolism in the parables. There's symbolism throughout the Bible. God uses ants to symbolize, you know, we need to be industrious. Uh, And he uses animals. And, of course, there is some symbolism here and some things hard to be understood. But God gave it to us because he wants us to understand it. Notice in verse 1. He says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Now, so he says, he gave this book to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. So God wants to show us what is coming to pass. And he says he sent and signified it. That word "signified" it is defined as equivalent to to make known. To make known. That's what "signified" means. Uh, in fact, in Acts chapter twenty-five and verse twenty-seven, uh, it was Festus was writing was was talking to Agrippa, and he said, "For it seemeth to me unreasonable to send a prisoner and not withal to signify or to make known the crime laid against him." So he's written this book or given us this book through the pen of John the Apostle so that we could know or have knowledge of what must shortly come to pass. And beloved, I believe that we're living in a day when it's shortly to come to pass. You know, things we're seeing in this world today speaks to me that this time is near. You know, one of the things described in Revelation chapter 13... It talks about the, the mark of the beast. No man's going to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. And just this week, and I sent this to some of you, I think, uh, from, uh, come through dailymail.com, says thousands of Swedes are getting microchip IDs inserted in their hands to swipe into homes, offices, concerts, and even to access social media. More than 4,000 Swedes are being implanted with a microchip that contains details about their identity. The miniature technology bypasses the need for cash, tickets, access cards, even social media. Biohacks International is a market leader in the innovative industry and has captured public imagination since it was started five years ago by Joe Wynn Osterland, a former professional body piercer. Some people argue the conveniences gained from the procedure by so-called body hackers do not outweigh the risks to their private data. The Swedish firm Epicenter hit the headlines in April for offering the the implants to its employees. The startup offers workers microchips the size of grains of rice that function as swipe cards to open doors, operate printers, or buy smoothies with a wave of the hand. That is what the mark of the beast will be. You're not going to be able to buy or sell. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day, and he said, "Well, that's why I'm storing up silver and gold." Well, good luck with that. Uh, you know, I believe that the things that are written in this book are too soon to come to pass, and God wants us, as His people, to know what things are shortly to come to pass. So, I want to look at some things tonight. Some 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 things about the book in general. First of all, it is popular. It is a popular book uh, because, it, you know, it has a mysterious appeal and, uh, and unknown and, and people are fascinated with that, that kind of thing. But we're not to read it for fascination. You know, it is to be taken literally unless clearly stated otherwise. You know, it speaks of great troubles, cataclysmic events, misery, and death, plagues. You know, at one point, a third of men will be killed. A third of the trees burned up in the green grass. You know, this is not pleasant stuff. Of course, it, it covers the seven-year period of what the Bible calls the tribulation, where God's going to pour out His wrath on men who have rejected Him and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your know, uh, uh, uh second Thessalonians chapter one second Thessalonians chapter one makes reference to this time in second Thessalonians chapter one in verse seven, and to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed, in other words, there is the unveiling shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. In flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power when He shall come to be glorified in His saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony on you was believed in that day. See, one of these days the Lord is coming in flaming fire to take vengeance On those on the earth who rejected and persecuted his gospel and persecuted the saints. Persecuted the saints. Uh, So this is the things that are coming on the earth. It's not fascinating. It's real. It's judgment. It'll be a time of God's judgment. So it's not written to fascinate it. Uh, But it is a blessed book. Notice in verse 3 it says... Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. And then go to chapter 22 and verse 7. Chapter 22 and verse 7. And this speaks of a blessing there. Chapter 22, verse 7. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. So there's a blessing, you know, for those who read and understand and keep the words of this prophecy. And, and again, God meant it for for us to understand it, to understand it. So it is a there is a promised blessing with this book. Of course, it is prophetic. It's a prophetic book. Uh, you know, God's the book of Revelation really reveals to us. God's plan for the future. It is really the, the. Um, I don't want to say this. It's it's the key that unlocks Daniel. Daniel was told to seal up the book. Look, go to Daniel chapter twelve. Daniel chapter twelve. It's it's the it's the finish of the book of Daniel. I might say, Daniel chapter twelve. <laughs> You know, Daniel was given great prophecies and most of his prophecies uh, dealt with the time prior to Christ's crucifixion. he even gave the time of Christ's crucifixion. he also made reference to the antichrist the 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 uh, the little horn in, in mentioned in Daniel chapter eleven it's also mentioned in Daniel chapter seven but he wasn't given definitive uh, definition of that, of the Antichrist. And, and Daniel is told in Daniel chapter 12, verses 8 and 9, it says, And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O Lord, what shall be the end of these things? So Daniel wanted to understand, but the Lord said, And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. And see revelation is really the unsealing of Daniel it's the finish of Daniel it's going to finish what Daniel started so it will it will reveal to us the entire program for the future Daniel ends with really the crucifixion of Christ and he talks makes a little reference to the end time but he gives no explanation of it the book of revelation ends with the end of all things eternity future that's where it ends so it is it gives us the end you will if if you will of time and then we're going to go into eternity after that Uh, and and of course this future centers around a person and of course that is the Lord Jesus Christ it gives clear details concerning prophecy more than any other book in the Bible for example it describes the glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ in chapter 19 it, it, it speaks of, and, and we're familiar with that passage, where um, uh, it says, "I saw heaven open, verse eleven, and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he just judge and make war." and And verse thirteen says, "His name is called the Word of God." So, a it describes the glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. It also describes the governor, the 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 operation of the government of the man of sin I want you to think about something ever since ever since sin entered the world man has been trying to set up his own government in opposition to God Uh, you know Cain set up his own religion and of course, you know, God destroyed that with a flood. And and then, and then you, caught, you had uh, uh, you know, Noah and his family, and it wasn't long. They were building the Tower of Babel. And, and that was an effort to reach heaven, to make themselves a name, and to become like God. They wanted, they, what they wanted was one world government, one world religion, and a name for themselves. That was the goal. That's what they're still trying to do. You know, there's a, there's a great push. and I mentioned this some time back about the, the the United World Religions Initiative. It's been going on for a long time. They've been working at it. And the, if you notice, all the Protestants are going back to Mom, uniting with the Mother Church, quote unquote, the Catholics. Um, you know, there's there's that's of course been going on for quite a few years now. It started in the 1900s, and uh, and, and of course, so so all this is going back to. There's a push for one religion, and and that's going to culminate in the Antichrist, who's going to who's going to reign, and everybody is going to see their authority to him. Like go to Daniel chapter eleven, Daniel chapter eleven. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 11 and verse 36. And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. For that that is determined shall be done. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. Uh, But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces, and a God whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. Uh, And then go to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. And verse 1 And I saw, and I stood upon the sand of the sea. And I said the other, uh, I guess it was the other night, that the sea often speaks of the sea of humanity. I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, his feet were as the feet of a bear, his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. That's three and a half years, which is the last half of the tribulation. He opened his mouth and blasphemed against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have a ear, let him hear. So they're going to, you know, all, all, all kindreds Tongues and nations are gonna cede their power to him. And I want you to notice something, he's the combination of all the great empires put together. You know, it describes a leopard, a lion, a bear, and and yeah, I guess that's just a three the leopard, feet of a leopard, the feet of a bear, and the mouth is a lion. Who's described as a lion in the Old Testament? And Daniel. It's Nebuchadnezzar. Babylon. Persia is described as a bear. Alexander, of, Alexander the Great is described as a leopard. But here, he's described as all three. He's the combination of all these put together. He's, he's a king. He's a, he's a ruler. And, and he is... The Great One, so to speak. That all are going to give you their allegiance to. All nations, kindreds, and tongues. So it's describing the governmental operation of the man of sin. The Antichrist. They're all going to give allegiance to him. Of course, it describes also the terrible events of the tribulation. In chapters 6 through 19. Chapters 6 through 19. Uh... By the way, there's no mention of a church or churches after chapter 3. Chapter 4, verse 1 speaks of a rapture. But in chapters 6 through 9, describes the tribulation. And I'll just give you a little uh, glimpse of what some of the things that happened. Look at chapter 6, verse 12. It says, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth and hair, and the moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell onto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it rolled together, and every mountain and every island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us! and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come. Who shall be able to stand? So the terrible events of the tribulation are described for us from chapter 6 through 19. Of course, it tells also of the ultimate end of Satan. Praise the Lord. Your Revelation chapter 20 tells us he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. It will be a wonderful day when Satan is cast into the lake of fire. No longer to tempt men and lead them astray. It tells of the end of, ultimate end of Satan. It speaks of the future of glorification of the saints in our position. In chapters 19 through 22, again, we come back with the Lord from heaven riding on white horses. And then in Revelation chapter one 20, verses 5 and 6, It says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? Can't you even judge the smallest matters? You you ought to be able to judge the smallest matters in the church. After all, you're going to judge the world. That's what he's referring to. The glorification of the saints in our position in the future kingdom, millennial reign of Christ. It also talks and describes a city that Christ is repairing as a bride adorned for her husband. Uh, in chapter 21 uh, verses, chapter 21 and 22, the new Jerusalem with gate, 12 gates of pearls and streets of gold like as transparent glass. And 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 it describes this city, and the greatest part about it is, nothing that defiled shall enter there. Won't it be a glorious, glorious future, a glorious uh, um, place f- to to dwell? And so we see some of the things about the book. It's it's important, a, a book also, in the fact that it completes. And this is part of your handout. It completes the circle of Bible truth. In other words, it completes the Word of God. Uh, It completes the truths that are begun in Genesis. For example, look look at this. shows man's beginning. Genesis shows man's beginning in a beautiful paradise. Revelation shows the wonderful paradise to come. Genesis shows how man lost his chance to eat of the tree of life. When he sinned, he was cast out of the garden where the tree of life was, lest he eat of the tree of life and live forever in his sin. So God cast him out. But Revelation 22 speaks of the tree of life and we we'll eat of it in heaven. Genesis tells of man's first rebellion against God, and Revelation tells us, promises an end to man's rebellion when Satan is cast into the lake of fire. Genesis records the first murderer, drunkard, and rebel. Revelation promises a city where no defilement shall enter, enter therein. Revelation 21, verse 27. Genesis reveals the tragic sorrow that resulted from sin. And Revelation promises that God shall wipe away all tears. There would, there, in fact, it says there will be no remembrance of the former things. We aren't even going to remember what it was like. To weep and to to cry and be in anguish while here on this earth. Genesis, of course, records the first death Cain killed Abel. But Revelation promises there will be no more death. Genesis shows the beginning of the curse. Revelation shows the curse being lifted. Genesis introduces the devil for the first time. As a tempter of men. Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 to 18. But Revelation shows the final doom of Satan. Genesis promises that Satan's head will be bruised. Genesis 3 15. Revelation shows him bruised and defeated. Once and for all. So you know, the conclusion of all history is seen as moving toward a grand climax. In final preparation for the coming kingdom of Christ to earth. You know, Revelation is a hated book. It's a hated book. Probably the two most hated books in the Bible are Genesis and Revelation. And that's a good reason for that. Genesis is hated for several reasons. It's the book of origins. Think about it. Genesis speaks of creation as opposed to evolution. It also speaks of Man's original sin and the fall of man. And if you discredit the origin or creation and you discredit man's sin, what do you have? Well, we guess we all came from animals. We're just left here to chance. We just came by chance. If we are not created, we are just here by chance and left to ourselves. That's what evolution teaches If the book of Genesis is not literal. And if we are going to question the book of Genesis, we must therefore question the whole Bible. If there's no sin, why a Savior? And where do we find sin? Enter the world. It's in Genesis chapter 3. It's in Genesis, of course, the origin of judgment for sin. Where God first judged sin. Adam was driven from the garden. He was separated from God. And, of course, we have the flood. And it's also a book of promise. Genesis 3.15, a promised seed that would bruise the heel of Satan. Also, the promises of Abraham. And so, it's the book of origins. Revelation is the book... Of completion. And and you know, the devil wants us to think, well, this book's too complicated, just stay away from it. You know, you don't can't really understand it. After all, it forecasts his doom. And and our victory through Christ over him, his confinement in the bottomless pit, and then his final doom in the lake of fire. So it is the consummation of all things. Of all things. Uh, it is a book of completion. Now the one paper I gave you tonight --'t know if I kept a copy of it, uh, on, the, on the flip side of that page is um, referring to the sevens. Your know, seven in the Bible speaks of completion. There are many sevens in this book, and I don't think that's by accident. I think that's on purpose. It's because this book is the completion of all things. Notice again in chapter 1. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass, and he signified, sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bare record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and that keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. And then, of course, verse 19. Write to things which thou hast seen and things which are and things which shall be hereafter. So... You know, the book of Revelation gives us the completion of the, what we know as time. This period in which we're living, called time. Because after the book of Revelation, time will be no more. There'll be no time. We won't have to set an alarm clock. Probably won't have to sleep. You know, everything we do now is governed by time governed by time we have so many hours in a day you know we got to get this done that it's all governed by time but after the book of Revelation after the completion of all things time will be no more it will be an eternity with our Lord Jesus Christ and we won't even remember the former things It won't be wonderful there having no burdens to bear. You know, it's kind of hard to imagine a world without deadlines. But there would be no deadlines in eternity future. You see, this book gives us the completion of this time period or the end of this time period we call time. And it'll usher in a new era of eternity where we will live with our Lord, with our glorified Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords for all eternity. Oh, what a glorious future we have to look forward to. But until then, until then, He's left us here with a purpose. And that purpose is to make known to the world the Lord Jesus Christ as the lamb slain for their sin. You know he is the savior and we need to make him known. We need to make him known. You know, all the world is heading into a time of judgment. You know I was thinking the other day after I talked to to Chris we talk a little bit about this invasion coming from the south. And I thought, you know what the problem is? The problem is, the reason they don't understand is, it's not, be, it's not because they were born in the wrong country, it's because of their religion. They don't know what liberty is. They don't understand liberty. They don't understand the boundaries that God has set for the nations. They don't see it as nations, they see it as a world. And they are, have the, One world mindset. That as long as it's a country in the world, they have every rights to it. That's a one world mindset. And they don't understand the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They think that whatever is out there is theirs for the taking. You don't have to earn it because it's there. It's your right. You know, I, I this, this really became, um, I really began to understand this when I went to the Ukraine. You know, and here in America, we have houses, we have stuff sitting outside our houses that is ours, that's not fenced in, that, Most everybody knows that it's not theirs that they can't just take it. But in Ukraine, if it's not fenced in, you can almost guarantee somebody's going to take it. Because personal property is not considered personal property. If it's available, where do you get those personal property rights? Where do they come from? come from the Bible they come from the Bible you see we have the solution to the world's problems it's in the gospel it's called personal accountability we are personal accountable for our sins and one of those is thou shalt not steal and so we have the message that the the world needs to hear and until our Lord comes for us We're to be faithful in giving it out. And so, as we study this book, might we be encouraged and challenged as we see the Lord Jesus Christ in all his glory. And our purpose is to reach the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be faithful until he comes for us. Let's pray.